Welcome to the Prison Mindfulness Podcast, presented by the Prison Mindfulness Institute. In this podcast, we'll be talking with experts in the fields of prison mindfulness and prison dharma, discussing their transformative work in prisons and jails. Hi, welcome to another session here on the Prison Mindfulness Summit. And I'm thrilled to be here today with Liz Richardson, a longtime friend and colleague and Dharma sister. Welcome, Liz. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, we're really excited to, to have you be part of the summit and uh, your amazing uh, play, Unconfined, that we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to share uh, your background for our audience, and then we'll jump right into the conversation. All right? Great. Liz Richardson has had a lifelong career as an actress and writer. She is a graduate of the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. She has performed in major theater, film, and TV productions in England, Canada, and the U.S., including London's West End, Toronto's Canadian Stage, and the Shaw Festival. While in London, she became a practitioner of Tibetan Buddhism, which has guided her life over the last 30 years. She has studied and taught numerous meditation courses, and she completed the traditional Buddhist three-year meditation retreat at Gampo Abbey Monastery in Nova Scotia. For many years, her deepest aspiration had been to bring together the two paths of her life, theater and Buddhism. Her first foray into this new territory was writing and performing a solo play called Going On, which she performed on tour in Canada, Mexico, and the United States. Four years ago, an extraordinary experience entered her life, the true story of a prisoner on death row who became an accomplished artist and Buddhist meditator before being executed. This became the inspiration for her new solo play, Unconfined. So again, welcome, Liz, and we'll Thank jump you. into the conversation. Great. So please tell us a little bit uh, about your background, you, you have this combined background in theater and as a longtime Buddhist practitioner and serious practitioner doing the three-year retreat, the traditional three-year retreat. So tell us a little bit about how out of that, this project evolved. How, how, did, you, how did you find your way into doing this play? <laughs> well, you know, as um, actors, we, we sometimes go seeking projects and hope to find, you know, the next uh, great story or whatever um but actually this this kind of came to me and um really fell in my lap uh it was uh, quite surprising um and unexpected um my husband who is a, a, a buddhist uh teacher as you know um was uh having some uh pen pal conversations with this prisoner and uh, after the prisoner was executed, uh, two of his lawyers who had worked pro bono for him for over 10 years um, put together packages uh, for the, the people that had been very close to the prisoner. And uh, they sent out these binders. And uh, one day I was literally sitting on my couch here and um my husband said, I think you should take a look at this. And I opened it and really was blown away by the, uh, the beautiful artwork, um, the, his amazing handwriting, and, and most importantly, his heart and his sentiment that came through the letters. And so I just, that was it, kind of, that was the, 
the sort of um, uh, dot or beginning that made me go. I went from there. So, and and maybe tell us a little bit about then your journey of writing this play and how that's impacted your own life and your own contemplative practice and so forth. Well, really, what happened was I started to interview uh, many people that knew the prisoner, talked to them, and I was completely amazed at how open and generous people were. They really, really wanted this story to be told. And, uh, you know, they didn't know me, you know, at all. And yet they gave me his letters, you know, and said, please, please tell this story. And so that those were the kind of doors that, you know, started opening for me, you know, to um, sort of start to take it seriously and carry on with it. It it, it was very humbling and sort of, um, uh, I guess, uh, disturbing to uh, the journey I've been on. Um, Humbling in the sense that the more I discovered uh, things about this person, this prisoner's journey, the more I realized what a remarkable person he was, uh, but also, um, you know, how incredibly disciplined he was with his own um, meditation path. And, uh, you know, we are sort of so privileged. And here I am, you know, longstanding meditator, and I felt, but here's someone under the most incredible circumstances who managed to really transform his life. So on that level, it was it was kind of humbling for this particular privileged person. And uh, also, of course, it was disturbing because of all I learned about the prison world. So, you know, those two, those two things were the kind of, I guess, the, the feelings I, I came away from. You know. I wonder if you connected at all, having done a three-year retreat at Gampo Abbey and uh, spent some time in a sort of voluntary confinement of sorts um, <laughs> and doing and doing intense practice. Obviously, it's nothing like being in prison and certainly nothing like being on death row. But I'm still wondering if you could just kind of relate with that sense of uh, uh, isolation and, and, and practicing in that kind of isolation. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many parallels with the, um, you know, uh, we were in a nine- foot by nine foot room and we were on a very very tight schedule and you know there were and it was incredibly lonely incredibly lonely and also very challenging on many levels you know uh, we weren't young tibetan monks when we did it you know we were in our group women who were all over 50 you know it was it was <laughs> you know it was challenging um, but I think the difference, obviously, in, you know, in a pr- prison, the prison world, I mean, I can ima- only imagine on death row or whatever, is that there was a container of, um, you know, kindness and love and, and sort of support and caring, which, as I'm sure you know, and so many people on the summit will know that that's not what it mainly it probably mainly is in the prison world. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so you're performing this play in in Canada and the U.S. and uh, and we're very happy to uh, bring it to our audience in this summit. We can't bring the entire play, but we're going to watch in just a moment uh, a short trailer 
And uh, and we're going to continue talking about that. But what are, might be some of your hopes or aspirations of how this play might impact the world of prison dharma and prison mindfulness, prison ministry? You know, it's a theater piece. It's not a uh, book. It's not a lecture. It's 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 a play. And I, I think it really works on a on a really visceral heart level. And um, uh, so that it can reach people. I have felt and witnessed and experienced that reaction to the play. Um, and uh, I mean, I have s- stories I could say about that. This is short. But I, I think that's uh, it has that potential power. So if it could be somehow worked into or, or, or if, you know, people could see and feel uh, the, the story, it, would, it gives them a, a better, you know, sort of a perspective of that world. And the, you know, I guess that's the best way to say it. And I think it also challenges people's precon- preconceptions, you know, about, about um, that world in some way. Um, through the characters, they all enter into this situation, uh, meeting, connecting with this with the prisoner in, in different ways, and from and uh, they each have their own journey, and they each um, uh, uh, are changed by that journey. But they all come in in some way, so there is a progression of there is a path for them in the play, each of them, and it's mm-hmm. different for each of them. And for audiences understanding, I think it's important. I know you've made clear this is not a documentary about a particular prisoner, but rather this is theater, it's art, and it's inspired by the true story of of a prisoner who did become a Buddhist practitioner in prison and ended up being executed after spending years on death row practicing. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely correct. And, and that's very important. Thank you for mentioning that, because it isn't a documentary. And uh, that's why I'm saying it works on a different level in some way um, we're going to go ahead and watch then uh, just a, a short three three minute uh uh trailer i took the lead somebody's heart two teenage killers were sentenced to death by lethal injection after a home invasion turned into a brutal triple murder First time I see him, I think he's fucking nuts. Crawling around on his hands and knees, scraping wax off the linoleum, melting M&Ms. How would I know it was for a bit of color? He copies everything. Tattoos, of course, magazines, CD covers, Jesus, angels. He's ravenous, absolutely voracious. So of course I agree to mentor him. My husband thinks I'm crazy, replying to all these letters. He says this man's a murderer. Sure, he writes smart letters, but that doesn't make him a nice person. He draws this beautiful picture and puts it up on the wall of his cell, a sort of Buddha-like figure. The toilet in the cell above him leaks, and the dirty water comes down the wall and completely ruins the picture. What does he do? He makes another, and another, just to send to me. Once a week, we get our channel a choice. Me, I like movies. But him, he always picks fucking PBS. I take a course to become a spiritual counselor. 
That way I get to meet him face to face without the plexiglass. And I get to read the case file. There's no evidence about who did the actual killing. I honestly think his partner was the leader. But no way, he won't have it. He just won't blame anybody. Well, he tells me he's meditating like those monks, and he's doing it all the time. You ain't gonna get me sitting on my ass, I says to him. Me, I like to dream. Dear Eleanor, happy birthday. Please find enclosed my little gift for you. A button from my undershorts. He starts talking about this little altar he's made in his cell. It's like his own little shrine. And over it is a picture of a Buddha. Below that are three other photos. That's your family, right? No, he says. Those are the people I killed. I pray for them every day. Nobody knows what happens after you die. He really believed it's how you live that matters. What do you mean the execution date has been set? They cannot kill this person. He obviously never told you about us. I just thought the play was extraordinary. It made me cry at times. I just cried. And, and I laughed at times, which was wonderful. Just wonderfully done. It really was incredibly evocative. It just almost took my breath away. It, it was brilliant. It was visceral. So skillful. So beautiful. Wow. Very, very, very powerful. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very hopeful that um, everyone in our summit who would like to uh, experience this play will have the opportunity to witness one of your performances as you tour around with the play. And uh, I think at some point you probably plan on having the entire play videotaped and it may be, may be available in that way as well. So through your journey of exploring the life of this human being who was incarcerated, who committed uh, a murder, um, and this was all in retrospect because your husband had been in corresponding with this uh, prisoner as kind of a Buddhist pen pal and mentor, uh, but you learned all about it mostly in retrospect. And uh, having gone on this journey, how do you feel today about whether people who've done really heinous things, you know, committed brutal murders and so forth, whether they can actually transform? Uh, you know, a lot of people are pretty jaded about that, may think, well, somebody's meditating in prison or, or they get religion in prison, but have they really changed? And who would they be if they came out? So how, how do you feel about that today, about the redeemability of human beings, especially those who have committed serious crimes? Well, obviously, it's um, the big question is, was he really authentic? And uh, uh, just as you say, because of the potential for cynicism and, you know, jaded thinking, um, 
all I can say is that in this particular case, um, everyone who met him, encountered him, felt he had transformed his life, was a genuine person, an authentic person, a real person. And uh, uh, so, and also, I, I this is something I hadn't thought about till now, but I feel there's some sort of magic that has happened in this show in terms of or my play, as it were, um, that I don't know, feels uh, like all these auspicious events have happened to bring it together in, in, through me in some way, because I certainly, as I said at the beginning, didn't go after it. Um, and they keep happening, like being here. Um, so uh, I do feel there is some magic around this story and also around uh, this person and around this possibility of this kind of transformation. No, absolutely. So, um, and what's your sense of, um, you know, being a, a longtime Buddhist practitioner and meditator and teacher, and also having done intensive practice in retreat, the traditional three-year retreat, um, what, what sense do you have from learning about this man's journey about whether prisoners can can do that kind of deep practice, um, and uh, you know what what the the, the genuineness of, of that journey, the contemplative journey available to prisoners. Well, I think it's very challenging. Uh, it must be very. I can't imagine it not being challenging. And I mean, um, you know, I remember reading in your book the story about you trying to practice in the broom closet to find some silence, you know, and peace and focus. Um, so, I, you know, I'm sure it's, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, a very, very difficult situation. But I think in, in this case, a combination of factors came together that allowed that possibility to happen for him. Um, you know his own karma, his discipline, his re his outreach, and these people that somehow were open to um, his, you know, the potential they saw in him, and they stayed with it. They hung in there, so there was a level of perseverance. So I I think it is possible, but um, obviously extremely challenging and 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 also i think there's another side of this which is that it doesn't just have to be meditation or mindfulness i mean that that kind of um discipline and focus and ability to you know face oneself if you like all those things can be done through other disciplines mm -hmm. you know art Etc. You know. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, I mean, you are you are you're both a Buddhist practitioner, a meditator, and an artist, a performing artist. So I wonder what you think. And and this prisoner that that your play was based on, inspired by, uh, was doing art as well as uh, his uh, his meditation practice. So, uh, what do you think about that that combination and how uh, some kind of artistic endeavor, practice, outlet, what have you, might be very valuable for someone in a, in a situation of incarceration to support their own journey of healing and transformation? 
Well, obviously, it was the beginning of his journey. And it was his mentor, in his artistic mentor, you know, in England, that's the British woman I play, um, is based on a real person. And I interviewed her extensively. And um, she was the beginning of his artistic, uh, him opening, if you like. She sent him books and she, you know, that's, this is all sort of touched on in, in the play. And, but she kept, she hung in there for over 10 years and really worked deeply with him on his artistic path. And, and then there's, you know, uh, other side to that story as well, that aspect of the play. But, uh, and then, you know, then there was his spiritual journey is more when he became a Buddhist and started to reach out to all these different organizations and, you know, started to really practice deeply. And that journey was very, very much um, supported and encouraged by the other character I play, who is uh, the academic, as you saw in the trailer, the Barbara, the um, American academic uh, professor mm -hmm. of comparative religion. My understanding in this particular situation was the artistic path led him to the spiritual path, but they were very, very intertwined throughout his whole life. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and in terms of myself, well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do that, you know, but I have um, much um, more fortunate circumstances than someone like he had, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, at Prison Dharma Network, we've been uh, corresponding with prisoners for the last 33 years and or more and, and been receiving just reams of art from prisoners. Containing there's certain styles of classic prison art and so forth, but we've received a lot of it. And there's a, there's a very well-known envelope art because prisoners will do art on an envelope and then mail it, you know, mail it to someone. And uh, so we have all this envelope art and and. Uh, uh, we're hope, hopeful that we're going to have uh, Sita Lawsoff, Sita Lawsoff and Bo Lawsoff work through the Human Kindness Foundation, the Prison Ostrom Project uh, for the last, I don't know, 40 years or more. Uh, you know, they've collected so much of this art and also uh, corresponded with so many prisoners over more than 40 years, probably, and many, many prisoners uh, who are serving life or, or who had committed very serious crimes and I think have been able to uh, witness, you know, profound uh, journeys of transformation. So I think your your play is a testament to a real genuine possibility. Uh, we're also representing, you know, Jacques Redin and, and the GRIP programs work here on this summit. And, and uh, fortunately in California, I mean, the GRIP program involves mostly lifers at San Quentin and some other, other facilities in California now. And it's an in-depth year-long program. Many of the prisoners go through that program have committed murders. You know, they're serving life in prison. And, yeah. you know, with changes in California law and, and you know, just the need to uh, budgetary issues that, that California has been releasing some of these lifers. And so some of them are actually coming out and demonstrating that they are transformed individuals and coming back to their communities as leaders with a lot to offer. So I think your your play uh, communicates a, a very uh, important and genuine message in that way. Okay. And I'm curious about what you think. Uh, uh, many of us hope that the death penalty will one day be ended in this country. I think we're the only modern industrialized nation that has the death penalty. And um, 
So if someone uh, sentenced were commuted to life, um, you know, how might that change the, the situation? And can, can you imagine just from what you've you know, learned in, in about this individual and in exploring this into your own imagination and as a practitioner, can you imagine them being able to continue, you know, a, a, in some sense, a good life as a Dharma practitioner in prison, even though they're serving life? That's that's a really interesting question. And um, I have a little uh, section here. I'll just read it's a couple of lines um, where the character of, of the American academic, she's she's there's a clemency trial, uh, final clemency mm-hmm. trial, and uh, she's fighting to get him, the prisoner, off death row. And uh, she has a conversation with him where he says um, he's not sure he wants to live. And she can't figure out why he doesn't want to live. And she says, um, he says he's not sure he wants to live. Uh, I don't get it, she says. But then he explains, clemency on death row doesn't mean freedom. It's just life imprisonment without parole. Sure. He says, I'll be out of here, but but back in the hell realms with the gangs, beatings, rapes, drugs, and worst of all, 24-hour TV. So, um, you know, that, it, it, it's really interesting. And yet, when I spoke to a um, woman who plays the, uh, who I'm basing the British character on, and I asked her that question. I said, what would have happened, do you feel? And she was adamant that even under the worst circumstances, because of you know who he was and how he had developed as a human being, that he would uh, have you know been a good person, even under those terrible circumstances. So that was really interesting to me. And uh, the other thing that happened was uh, um, that... Uh, a person who came to see my early readings in California told me about a prisoner he'd been working with, a different prisoner, working with for many, many years, and uh, was starting to develop and become a you know really strong meditator practitioner. And he, the opposite situation happened. He was thrown back into the main part of the prison, and he became part of the gang situation and you know, it, it really turned very, and this fellow, when he saw my reading, came to me in tears, I, you know, it was, and he said, I, I don't know what to do. You know, he was desperate because he, he really had nurtured this person and he uh, had fallen back into this world that, that, you know, I've just described. So, Anyway, I guess that's really just me saying this is what I've been experiencing when I've, you know, been talking to people. And, you know, so I'm I'm really feel so humbled by um, you and all all work people are doing in in the prison world. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm here and I'm just trying to do my own thing. But um, this is amazing, touching stories. I've, I've heard. Well, I, I hope your play can reach many people because art has a particular power to it, as we all know. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, we don't want to be naive. We know a lot of people, uh, uh, whether in the midst of a prison journey or when they get out of prison, do fall back into uh, gang life or criminal activity for, for a host of reasons. And, and in many cases, very understandable reasons. Uh, you know, in many cases, underlying traumas have not been healed or really uh, dealt with or, you know, one gets out of prison and you're just at survival. I mean, people are released from jails and prisons with no money into the same gang infested neighborhood they came from. And they would they would have to be superhuman to almost to not fall back into that. Right. So they're, they're the, the cards are really stacked against people in, in so many ways. So in some ways it is miraculous and a testament to the power of the Dharma and meditation when people do manage to uh, continue their path within prison and in, if, if they do get out, uh, continue their path uh, when they get out. And uh, there may be many fortunate circumstances involved, but none, nonetheless, uh, uh, we I think we have to just continually hold out that hope and continue supporting people with that possibility. But I think your play points to and, and of course, we have many, many real cases of, of human beings who've gone through incarceration and come out and led amazing lives and made amazing contributions to the world. So I, I think there's never any reason to give up hope. But I think your play is very evocative in that it it, it reminds us to uh, to recognize the humanity, you know, even for someone, you know, let, let's say uh, the prisoner that this play was inspired by. You know, I have no idea, but let's let's say they were maybe 80 percent genuine and 20 percent. There was still something else going on or maybe maybe it was all kind of up front and, and it wasn't happening or maybe they would have gotten out. You know, who knows? But that that doesn't take anything away from their humanity. If you look deeper into it, here's a human being struggling. And, you know, when you when you really look into the lives of most people who end up in prison, they were they were practically programmed to end up in prison by the circumstances of their childhoods normally. Right. So, I mean, we're talking about human beings and human journeys, whatever happens. And I think that's a really important thing that that an artistic um, expression like yours can remind us of the humanity of our fellow citizens who are incarcerated, whatever their circumstances are and whatever their journey is. Beautifully put. Thank you. Yeah. No, that's exactly exactly right. And uh, uh, one of the things I was going to mention was that at um, my last performance here in Halifax, uh, when I did the play, there was a woman I knew whose son had um, was uh, dealing with. She, he wasn't a prisoner, but he'd been dealing with a lot of drug situations, and he committed suicide um, mm. a few years ago. And uh, she came to see the play, and then she left right after the play. And another friend came back and said she was terribly, terribly upset. In floods of tears and very upset. And um, I just saw her recently and she said, did you get my poem? And I said, no, and somehow missed it. And she said, well, I sent you a poem because your play really um, touched me so deeply and affected me. I just couldn't stay af you know, after it. I had to kind of leave. So that was interesting. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I had no idea. And um, Somehow it brought up um, something about her connection with her son. And yes, yeah, no, no doubt that this um, that your play is going to touch people very deeply in many, many different ways. How can people find out? Uh, I'd like 
to ask how people can find out more about your work in general. But first of all, how can people find out uh, where can they watch this trailer again if they would like? And how, how can they get in touch with you and maybe invite you to, uh, to offer the play somewhere? The best thing is to reach me through my email directly for now. There's well, we'll, we'll put that in the information with your bio. So great. have access to um, that. And yes, I'm completely open at this point to taking the show wherever it can go. But, you know, it's so simple. There's just me and a bench and good lighting and fantastic music from my our wonderful young musical composer, um, uh, uh, Josh Credis. And also, I want to mention my drum, my director and dramaturge, who is an incredible person and has been my, you know, um, champion throughout the whole thing. How long is the play? And when when you do it, it's, like it's the performance, just about fifty five, fifty minutes, fifty five. Uh-huh. So it's short. And I, I have a website, so you could put the link to my. Yeah, website. we'll put that in the bio as well, so that people is, will find the trailer then, there on your the website. Trailer is right on the website. Great. So, so people can can see that there is um, an off Broadway theater in New York that is um, a curated situation. Excellent, excellent place, and they are looking for a a um, slot for the show. So that's very exciting. I'm really wow. excited about that. Just found out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, also, uh, so that will eventually be on my website those dates hopefully when they arise uh that'll be next year so that's they they do stuff quite in advance and then the other thing is that um on the west i'm doing the play on the uh wet on the west coast in the bay area this coming autumn uh so let's see it'll be uh november uh and i i don't have the details of that yet but again that will will be on the website so that's uh, another possibility. And I really just want to keep expanding it and taking it wherever it would be helpful. You know, well, I mean, it well, could be anywhere. It could be uh, prisons. <laughs> it could be, you know, uh, salons. It can be theaters. It can be libraries, universities. You know, there's a, there's mm-hmm. a realm of possibilities for this kind of show because it's so simple and well, wonderful. I'm glad you are bringing it to the Bay Area. I know we have a lot of we have a lot of uh, Bay Area residents in our summit audience here, and there's a lot of prison Dharma activity in the Bay Area. There always has been. There are many prisons around the Bay Area, including the infamous San Quentin, but there's also many Buddhist groups, so uh, many meditation groups. So there's a lot of uh, wonderful prison Dharma, prison mindfulness activity that goes on there. So want to yeah. make sure that they. Uh, uh, we will have your website right here with the bio where people are watching this now. And so they can find out about that and uh, find out uh, when and where your performance will be in November in the Bay Area. So that's exciting. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 I'm very open to possibilities because it's really just happened in some way. So I'm mm-hmm. just starting to, you know, put the feelers out. And yeah. so. So, yeah. Well, well, thank you very much for following your inspiration, having opened up that portfolio of, of this uh, person's uh, letters and so forth that your husband shared with you and that started this artistic journey. Uh, thank you for your inspiration and your courage and a heart that I'm sure it took to stick with it all this time. And mm-hmm. thank you for being part of our summit. And I'm just wondering if there are any, any, anything final that you would like to share with our summit audience before we close here. My goodness. Um, 
Well, I just wanted to say how honored I, I really, truly feel honored to be part of this. Um, as I said earlier, I know there are so many people, many whom I've met and talked to who uh, are working in this field uh, on the ground, as it were, mm-hmm. directly like you and so many others, and uh, have experienced that world as you have. Um, so I, I, uh, I, I just want to thank you so much for having me and for giving me the chance to um, open people's hearts, I guess, with the story and the potential of human beings and the potential of kind of the fundamental human dignity and goodness that we all have under the right, that can be found under the right um, support and circumstances. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Liz Richardson. Actress, playwright, and uh, the uh, the author and uh, actor for Unconfined. So I hope everyone gets a chance to to see you perform that uh, sometime soon. So please be well. Thank you so much, Fleet. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about PMI and our programs, please visit prisonmindfulness.org. You can also keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.